is up, everybody? It is Bark After Dark. Uh, we are recording this week because uh, we got some Monday obligations, and I am solo uh, right now. Uh, Jake Roos will be on with me later in this show. Uh, but we got Andy Staples joining us tonight, and uh, Andy's going to be talking with us about this college football season, about how crazy it is, about Dion, about Georgia. We're going to cover some ground with Andy. But before we do listen, want to tell the folks over at GameTime dot code just how much we appreciate them and uh, them sponsoring our show listen you, we've all had ticket experiences right whether it's you know whether it's events whether it's games we've bought them two weeks out we've bought them two hours out everybody's been there everybody's needed it everybody's needed to try and figure it out well game time is the perfect place to figure it out from the way that they are, you know, from the way they show you how, where your tickets would be to the last minute, you know, deals that, that, that you can find there. Um, the interface is incredible. The app is awesome. Game time does it better than anybody. Uh, I know that my experience with them has been great. Jake Roos used them recently to get tickets to a uh, Twins game. And uh, for a limited or for right now, uh, you can come on over to game time and uh, terms apply, but you can get. $20 off when you use the promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S. And you might want to use that for the South Carolina game this weekend because it's going to be one of the bigger ones in Athens. That says a lot about the schedule, doesn't it? Uh, but that will be one of the bigger tickets to find this week uh, in, in college football period, but but especially one of the biggest ones you can find in Athens this season. Um, go on over to game time and get your uh, Georgia-South Carolina ticket from there and use that promo code. It'll help you out, knock 20 bucks off, uh, save you a little cash. With that said... Let's get to Andy bringing you on in. What's, What's up, up, dude? Jake? Hey, how's well, it going, so man? Game Time sponsors my show, too. And my favorite thing about that app is when you click on the ticket you, you're looking at buying, the picture comes up of the stadium or the concert venue or wherever, whatever it is, and you're seeing what you'd see from that seat. Exactly. And you, like, you move exactly. the phone, and it's like you're turning your head. It's yeah. crazy. Like, the the you know... Back in the day when we used to see the, the dudes holding three tickets up, meaning I got three together, we could never have imagined that you could do something like that. Yeah. Dude, I got a funny story about that. I was um, I was going to a Georgia game. I believe Georgia was playing Tennessee in 2004. They lost that game at home. Uh, Georgia was supposed to be great that year, supposed to have an elite football team in, 20, uh, in 2004, and it just didn't work out that way. Uh, but um, I was going into that game, and um, – I pulled something out of my pocket and pulled my ticket out with it. Right. <gasps> so my ticket falls on the ground. I'm, I'm running, I get to the gate and I can't go in. Well, I go, I, I, I'm like, all right, well I'll leave. So I go to leave and there's a guy standing there, um, holding up the tickets that he's got for sale. And so I'm like, Hey, well, what do you want for the ticket? And he goes 50 bucks. And I was like, $50. Like that's all sure. So my dad gives him 50 bucks. Cause I'm going to the game with my dad and I look at the ticket and it's the ticket I dropped. I said, hey, listen, that's was, the tax. That's yeah, the careless that's tax, tax right there. but but it's just funny. I got my ticket sold back to me, so uh, it was uh, it was funny because I remember that. I mean, I'm 99 sure it was. I remember that it be it was the exact same section. It was a student ticket, you know, which were a different color at the time, but you could still get in with them. But uh, it was uh, it was pretty uh, pretty hilarious. First of all, I want to ask you, man, what was your impression of this week of college football? Because it's been the biggest, I guess, week we've experienced thus far um, with the Texas Alabama game and everything. It was bonkers. I, it was, you know, you start with the Colorado Nebraska game and then it just sort of kept rolling out. It, it, it kind of got weird because you had the, all the lightning delays up and down, like North through North Carolina and Virginia and all those games, like 
The Virginia Tech Purdue game started at noon and ended at like nine. <laughs> it was wild. But, yeah. you know, I, I thought because it's interesting, we kind of got off of Notre Dame NC State because of how the weather worked because we were all on to Texas A&M and Miami. Notre Dame kicked the crap out of a pretty good NC State defense. Like yeah, they did. that was that was interesting. Like Notre Dame with Sam Hartman feels like a different animal, but we'll probably know more when they, when they play Ohio State in a couple of weeks. But then you get to to Bama, Texas, and I was just talking to Tim Watts from Bama Online, and we were going through that graphic that we had put up and on three last week of, of the, the rosters when they were recruits. And Alabama still had a prohibitive advantage if you're just looking at. You know, number of five stars signed, number of top 100 players signed. They had twice as many five stars. I think it was 16 to eight. Uh, the top 100 was even more dramatic. And but Texas looked like they had better players right now at the starting spots, and especially the offensive skill positions. I mean, that's that's the part. And and the Georgia fans already knew what AD Mitchell could do. But you you add AD Mitchell to Xavier Worthy, JT Sanders. I think is the freakiest of that bunch. Yeah. He's He's the best player out of that, that group, and there's some really good players on that offense. And then you've got Kelvin Banks, the left tackle, who, who's a sophomore, and he's very good. And they were worried, I think, about their interior offensive line, and I thought they held up really well as opposed to Alabama, which was just getting demolished by Texas's defensive line. You know, I'm, I'm floored a little bit at – all right, so, I, I mean, I think the world of Nick Saban. Like, I think he's the greatest coach we've ever seen. And, you know, you got Georgia fans that are already wanting to say, well, Kirby was this as far as that dynasty goes, and Kirby was that. I, I don't really want to hear that part of it because they no. won a couple when Kirby left, too. I know Kirby was a big part of it and helped install it and all that stuff. I mean, Kirby gives Sam Pittman a lot of credit for where Georgia is right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, all, of, all of that aside, it blows my mind how Alabama is having offensive line issues three years running. Like it just, um, you know, and I'm not sitting here. I'm not doing this tonight, tonight, today to talk a uh, talk trash about Alabama. But how does that program, kind of the 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 model of how to win in the trenches, have problems on the O line for three straight years? It blows my mind. I I think a lot of it is the players that that probably would have been at Alabama or would have been competing for spots at Alabama are at Georgia now. Yeah, and I think you know that's. Because offensive line is not something that's an overnight fix. Although I, I guess Miami, with what they took out of the transfer portal, did fix their offensive line overnight. But <laughs> you don't see that very often. Normally, you you got to recruit the guys out of high school. You got to develop them, and it's really year three before you start to see fruit. And you know, I, I do wonder when Kirby took the the Georgia job and and hired Sam. I'm glad you brought up Sam because he is really important to all of this. He's the one who started that lineage. And then Matt Luke continued it, you know, two, two kind of O linemen's O linemen, Sam Pittman yeah. and, and Matt Luke. And I think you look at, at what Georgia has. And, and like, I know they, they went head to head with Alabama for Van Pran out of New Orleans. I'm trying to think. Yeah. I think, I think Florida was a bigger, bigger threat for Van yeah. Pran. Like, what as about, it got late, Florida really wanted him. What about Amarius Mims? Were, were they in on him? Yeah, or? Alabama was definitely in the mix there. Tennessee too. Um, yeah. I, I want to say Mims is one of those uh, one of those guys. Maybe Tennessee got itself in a little trouble over. Uh, <laughs> but that's a lot. That could be a lot of different people, Jim. Yeah, it let's, could let's be. be it could be. It was, uh, we know it was Darnell Washington too. So, but I'm pretty sure yeah. they got themselves in some hot water over uh, over Marius Mims as well. 
Well, and and speaking of Amarius Mims, by the way, imagine if he had gone to Florida State in the transfer portal. Oh yeah, how good Florida State's offensive yeah, Florida State would be right, would look now? Good God. right now. Good God, that that might not be fa- that might have tipped the balance right there. But the transfer no. portal has opened up this whole new. Um, I don't want to get off topic here, but it's yeah. opened up this whole new barrel of what if you know this whole yeah. new like oh man this you know what like Josh Farmer right for Josh mm-hmm. Farmer for Florida State like. You know, you talk to some people around Georgia's program and, you know, there are some folks up at Georgia that will tell you, hey, he announced his intentions or maybe he did even end up in the transfer portal. The Georgia didn't have room for him and they I mean, he wanted to be in Athens and Georgia just couldn't figure out a way to get in there. So just the whole thing of what if there. Yeah. And and that's that's what. We said there were there were a bunch of us who said NIL and, and the transfer portal would increase parity when the coaches and ADs were saying, no, 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 this will make the rich get richer. No, it doesn't. Because it what it does is it doesn't allow Georgia and Alabama to stack as much talent as they used right. to. You know, if you're, if you're a guy and you know you're a guy and you're not playing at Georgia or Alabama or you're not getting the, the shine you think you should be getting, Jermaine Johnson's kind of the, the prototype of this. 100%. You know, Jermaine Johnson played a very important role in Georgia's defense. He was a very good player on Georgia's defense. But he was not going to be an every-down guy. And he wanted to be an every-down guy. And he goes to Florida State. And he's the ACC Defensive Player of the Year and a first-round draft pick. So it's harder for a school like Georgia that recruits so well. Now, Jermaine was a, a JUCO transfer. But, but that recruits so well in the traditional sense to keep all those guys. And it's not, it's not even just NIL. It, it, some of it's just, I want to be the star in this team. And I'm behind so many awesome guys that I can't be the star in this team. Yeah. So you brought up an issue a minute ago that that one of the things that I kind of I got in my notes right here that I wanted to talk to you about was you brought up A.D. Mitchell and Georgia fans get a little sour over that because, yes, A.D. caught touchdowns in every college football playoff game that Georgia won a championship in. And he did a lot of great things for Georgia, but they get a little sour because of the T word tampering. OK. Mm-hmm. Um, why? I how it's such a widespread issue and it's such a give and take like you will tamper with your own players to get them out of town right mm-hmm. i mean that, yeah. that's i mean that's the they'll find places for oh, them I, to I, go i've heard of reverse tampering where, where staffs will will call other schools and yeah. say hey we got these guys that we don't think can actually play all that well for us we'd like we'd like to free up the spot can you uh can you give them a call exactly. like so it listen I, Max Olson, who I used to work with at Athletic, I, I think put it best. He's like, they always complain about tampering, but they never complain too loud or do anything about it because they always want to reserve the right to tamper. What, that's that's the gist of it, right there. I mean, yeah, that was a that answer is exactly why I try to tell fans this all the time, and you know, we interact with them a lot on the message yeah. boards and things like that. And I try to yeah, tell them, it, I'm like, guys, they're not going to go bananas over it. I'm sorry. You know, you know, Georgia took Missouri's best receiver and Mississippi State's best receiver out of the portal. And listen, I'm not, I'm not leveling any accusations, but all of that happened pretty quick, Andy. <laughs> I mean, all and of it, that always, it, it quick. always seems to when it's a high power five to high power five. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, you know, I think, I think there are ways that we fix this, you know, not we per se. I, I listen to you a lot and I listen to the way you talk about the NCAA. And you don't come across as like, you know, the NCAA just, you know, 
assaulted somebody like some people do. Some people you can hear it in their voice that they yeah. they they would maybe go burn it down if they could, like physically. Um, but it's it's uh, I just I just think they lack common sense and, and they do. But one hundred. But the schools make the rules, so you can't like don't blame eighteen people in Indianapolis for something the schools want. Like if the schools wanted harsh penalties for tampering, they would make harsh penalties for tampering. One hundred percent. They would force the NCAA to enforce it. They don't want that. Otherwise, they know they they, they need tampering to manage their roster because right. they need to ta- they need the ability to tamper a little bit. But I still think even more so that reverse tampering thing is a massive, massive oh, yeah. deal. You know, when you these off seasons where guys that aren't playing are finding spots. Listen, some of these college kids they they just want to camp out, dude. They want to camp mm-hmm. out and they'll work hard for you and they'll play if you call their number. But they're not really interested in going to two or three different schools that not all of these kids are JT Daniels that are just fearless. Well, when right. And, and look, program. if you've got Athens, the greatest college town in America and you're enjoying living in Athens, Georgia, why not? And like, I, I remember talking to a coach at like a higher academic school about that. And he's like, we can't make recruiting mistakes because these kids want the degree and they ain't leaving without it. So we can't process them out. Or even if they're not playing, they're not going to transfer. So we got to be really careful on that. And there are some unfixable issues in this whole thing. And I think one of them, and probably the saddest thing about the transfer portal and NIL is, um, and I know of a few instances of this off the top of my head, and I'm sure you do too, where sometimes the player is not all that involved. Sometimes the player is out there playing ball and you've got people behind the scenes cutting deals, driving up prices and and giving them something that they can't say no to. Jaden Rashada was the prime example of that. Jaden Rashada, the the person himself, the guy you saw play quarterback for Arizona State against Oklahoma State last night, had nothing to do with the bidding war over Jaden Rashada. Not a single thing. And there were he had he had an entire entourage of people driving up the price. And he ended up getting screwed out of it and ended up becoming, you know, a pariah. And, you know, it, it just you're right. And now that was going on before all this where you had people around a player and they decided where the player went even before NIL. So that that's not new, but I, I do hope, you know, with players having a little more agency now that there will be less of this because guys will realize they can take control of their own deal. But it's hard, especially coming out of high school. It's hard if you're a 17, 18-year-old and one of the people doing this is one of your parents. The funny part is, is when NIL came in, they're like, hey, player, players were always getting paid. Now it's going to all be legal. No, man, they're going to push the boundaries and do it. It's going to be done illegally no matter what. Yeah. If, if, if we remove the next layer that's between a player in NIL and pay for play and all that stuff, somebody's going to go above and beyond that and then beyond that and then beyond that. We're, we're always going to, you know, I mean, it's like the, the NFL. The only, NFL's got all of these rules that you got to abide by. But they have, a, they have a CBA and they can actually enforce them. And that's exactly. that's the difference. That's because, too, yeah. yeah, because the players can't turn around and sue over any of that being enforced because they agreed to it. And so I think, you know, I do think college will probably head the same direction. And then they'll have rules that they can enforce. And uh, transfer rules will exist and will not, there won't be these weird waiver things or anything like that. It'll just be, Here's how it works. And if you don't like it, well, you signed it. Oh, man. Where do you feel like, as we're wrapping up here, because, um, you know, you didn't, we don't have a ton of time and you don't either. Uh, 
where do you think it's going? Where do you what do you think about this sport and the whole idea of of the super leagues and uh, wh- where are we headed? Well, I think all the stuff you've seen, like the the ACC taking Cal and and Stanford and SMU is is the biggest evidence I've seen that yeah they're they're preparing for a super league type situation because they took three schools because contractually if if their membership drops below 14 full members in one Notre Dame ESPN can pay them less money so they took three schools so now if say oh, I don't know Florida State Clemson and North Carolina were to leave ESPN doesn't have to give them or can't give them a pay cut and so that says to me okay we're you're expecting this to happen sooner rather than later you're expecting this to happen before your TV contract ends and you know, I, everybody keeps thinking it's going to be the SEC is going to be the AFC and the Big Ten is going to be the NFC. And they're just going to take all the all the schools that they want. And then they're going to kick out Vanderbilt. And they're going to kick out Indiana. That sounds awfully messy to me. Like, doesn't it seem more logical that one day Alabama and Ohio State and Michigan and Tennessee and Georgia is going to be like, hey, why don't we all just go independent? And then like two weeks later, we form our own league. Yeah. That would uh, that'd be interesting for sure. I have this theory that I feel like everybody knows that unionization and and pay paying these guys paying these paying everybody that can possibly be paid is coming, and I feel like part of me is okay. A small part of me is very much okay with all of this expansion because I believe that they are bracing, they are hoarding money because they know that the money's going to have to be there to pay whenever it comes. When the time well, and comes. The, mo- the money will be there at that level, and then there will be another level where there will be less money, and it will look yeah. more like what, we, you know, what we're used to seeing in the, in the 80s and 90s. And um, that's the thing. Everything will find its level. Part of the problem now is you have schools like the directional schools in Florida – that charge 16 bucks a credit hour to students that don't care about sports at all to subsidize sports. Like they don't need to be doing that. That's those kids don't need to be spending that money on that. Like, so the people that can actually do it and can run a, a juggernaut, a financial juggernaut in an athletic department, they can do that. And then the ones that can't can play at their own level. And anybody who says that football teams will go away or other sports will go away. No, they won't like, Division three football is a thing that exists right now because people like playing football and college, you know, like I was talking to a mom the other day of a division three player, uh, her son and my son are on the same middle school team where her older son is playing division three. Now he just wanted to keep playing football. Like he's paying full tuition at that school. He wanted to play football. It's going to keep happening. The other sports will be the same thing, the same way. And then, like the, the, the ADs who tell you, oh, we're going to have to cut all these women's sports. No, you won't. If you care enough about them, you'll keep them. Because you, you made 10 times less money and you had those sports. So you'll figure out how to, how to do it with 10 times more money. I promise. You're not that stupid. Yeah, the, the, the hand-wringing kind of gets out of hand a little bit sometimes. And the, the, from the ADs, from people writing about it and, and everything in between. Dude, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, Everybody, um, listen, if you haven't already, go check out Andy. Andy Staples on three. Um, I listen to it on Spotify. A lot of other people, you know, you listen to it on Apple. Wherever you get your podcast, it's awesome. And uh, you guys have a live show component too, right? Yes. Not live do, show, I'm it, sorry. Or, or you do do live. Oh, yeah, we do them live. I, like, for example, we're, we're recording this on Sunday. I'm live on Sunday nights 
uh, 8, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern time. Usually three nights a week we're live. And then on Saturdays, we're live after each window of games. So like when the noon Eastern games in, we do, you know, about a 20, 25 minute show. When the next set of games in, we do another show. And then at the end of the night, we do a show. And then all of that gets put together into one podcast. So if you want to get up Sunday morning and just hear it all, then you can hear it that way. I, we're all about giving it to you however you want it. We, we're like Burger King. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks for coming on, dude. We appreciate you, man. Appreciate it, Jake. Really appreciate Andy Staples for coming on. Great interview with him. Love talking to him. Where did you come from? Where, <laughs> where, did, where, where have you been? I was, recording, I was recording a Chris Cole commitment video. So. <laughs> <laughs> with whom? <laughs> Don't worry about it. How did this You'll happen? See. You'll see. I feel like we're I feel like that we're watching Interstellar right now. I feel like there's alternate <laughs> dimensions and, and shit that we're dealing with. But uh no, nah, glad to glad you were able to kind of join us. Uh, you know, at the end of that interview, Andy was awesome and uh it was a lot of fun talking to him. Um second time, you know, recurring guest. He's the only recurring guest to Bark After Dark other than Matt Godwin at this point. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, everybody knows how much we love Matt Godwin. We're gonna have to uh, get those guys jackets, like uh, like like Saturday Night Live, you know, like when you host like eight times, you get like a smoking jacket or something. We should do the show <laughs> with smoking jackets, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, as right. long as mine can be maroon. Uh, sure. But hey, before we get off track here, like we tend to do, um, I want to give you a chance to express your undying love for bird dogs. Yeah, I'm actually wearing a pair of bird dogs right now, as I normally am. If you catch me out, almost any day of the week. Um, if you know the show, you know that I love bird dogs, and I've told you before, I would talk to you about the greatness of them, even if they weren't sponsoring the show. Although we're lucky that they do. You can go over, get yourself a pair of bird dogs uh, at their website. Um, they all look fantastic. They fit comfortably, and you don't have to wear underwear, which for me is real nice. I like that. Um, you can use our promo code DOGS, D-A-W-G-S, or uh, go to birddogs.com slash D-A-W-G-S. And with your order, you can pick up a free hydro flask style bottle. Um, so uh, it's a really nice uh, water bottle. They sent it to us. Um, you know, uh, the gifts that they've sent us have, have been nice in general. Um, so, uh, you know, the, the, the hat was great. Um, everything's been awesome so far. So uh, the polo's been comfortable. I've broken that bad boy out several times also. Go over, check out Bird Dogs, get yourself some comfortable shorts, get out of the uh, those rough ones you've been wearing for years and years at a time. And I will say kudos to Bird Dogs for their longevity because mine have held up now. I think this is probably year six or seven for uh, my oldest pairs, and uh, they still look good. So props to Bird Dogs. Hey, uh, and if you get something for Bird Dogs, they send it in a little box. Make sure you read all the little comments inside those boxes because those are very, very funny. I find them very hilarious. And I, I do wonder if Mark Cuban is actually an investor with them now. Um, you know, because, because they on the box. Boy, they take some liberties. Uh, yeah. They really go after some Mark Cuban with those comments. Uh, <laughs> uh, even even some, say some things that I'm not comfortable saying on Bark After Dark. Maybe Bill Shanks would be comfortable saying on Bark After Dark. <laughs> I am not. William Shanks. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, with a name like Shanks, man, it, all bets are off. All no bets doubt. are off. No so, doubt. hey, um, before we get into kind of Jake on Jake and Jake and off and all that stuff, uh, I have to say that really fast, or I, I also feel like I'm pushing the pushing the envelope a little bit. Um, Alabama, Texas, dude, what kind of 
what was that video from that was on was that from Alabama? Was that from Tuscaloosa or was that video in Austin that, that came out earlier today? Did you see it? Which video? Uh, I think Rusty sent it to us in the uh, in our in our uh, um, you know big group chat. Something that, that oh, they were like that we want that yeah. we want Georgia. Were yeah. those people that were they in, still in Tuscaloosa? Or is that Austin? Do you know? I I don't know the location of that. I'm unsure of that. Um, but Texas back? I don't know. I don't know. Of course, so people are of saying they are. <laughs> people are people are talking. That's what let me tell saying. you something, buddy. When Texas has more points on the scoreboard than another team, another just semi-reputable to very reputable team, Texas is back. Okay, Texas they're back until they're not. Texas A&M not back. Not back. Texas not A&M um, very much not back. Uh, uh, also, you know, listen, Tennessee, man. I mean, I I would also I would also say Clemson, man. Yeah. It's not well. At least they caught fire and surged past, you know. And hey, listen, you know that it was a weird day yesterday, because or or uh, Saturday, um, it was a weird day because ultimately, like South Carolina struggled with Furman, um, you know that one was fourteen yeah. fourteen late in the second quarter. Tennessee, you know, up until right before halftime, um, was six six with Austin P. Uh, you know, there were there was just a lot of teams that struggled with with teams that they shouldn't have struggled with. Um, you Georgia know, was I, zero zero with uh, Georgia was zero zero with uh, their opponent for uh, until the end of the first, and then the yeah, second quarter it, happened, and it was a deluge. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was, and you know, that to me, you know, when you start looking at the ability to hang thirty one points in a quarter, whether you I don't care how you do it, um, and I don't care who you do it against, like when you do it, like Georgia did it on Saturday, um. To me, that's kind of the the you know that's the equivalent of a really good young player showing you a couple of really nice plays in practice. That's flashing, you know, you're flashing the ability to be a championship football team with the way Georgia played um, that second quarter. But they're also flashing the ability to show that they can pretty much get beaten. I put it on Twitter last night. This year is the most um, depends on the day, anything can happen type year. The feel I get the feel of that this year, and I know that's that's kind of my early season overreaction. That's about as far as I go when it comes You're to an Georgia. Georgia feels vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that. I, but the thing about Georgia is, thing we've come to trust is that Georgia gets better as the year goes on, like almost yes. without fail. Sure. And so you you almost know like, hey, Georgia's pretty good right now, and Georgia's going to be even better in two weeks. And they're going to be even better in six weeks, and you know so on. And to me, that's what the schedule was all about all along. Was the idea of even if you came out and let's say you were kind of getting your legs under you still, you would have the opportunity to develop against teams that, quite frankly, just aren't as talented uh, as you are right now. And you know, South Carolina it looks like one of those groups to me. I think that they've got some players, uh, but their early season struggles. Uh, don't do much to inspire confidence that they're going to be the one to take Georgia down. You make it past them, you know, you can kind of get this thing rolling a little bit. And um, it's a big opportunity just for Georgia in general to, you know, get out there and play with a team that's going to have some guys that are similarly talented. You're going to have a great atmosphere around that game, which probably mixed between the two, right? Uh, the first two, um, not exactly the greatest. So a lot to learn from it. Um, but overall, I would say, uh, uh, you know, Georgia, yeah, probably more vulnerable than they've been in years past. Uh, Georgia vulnerability, back. <laughs> back. <laughs> Georgia's beatable. Yeah. Georgia's beatable. Um, you know, we'll see if they're beatable, you know, two, three weeks from now. We'll see if they're beatable this coming 
Saturday when they take on South Carolina. One thing I'll say about South Carolina, and it, you know, I think Shane, I think Shane Bieber is cheesy as all get out, and he's cringy, and, oh, I and all this. I don't dislike him for it. I just think you know he the the. He's he's got a little less miles to him. The 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 animated facial expressions and the you know he's, like the less miles though was kind of a scumbag. Like like yeah. You, well, I mean, we didn't know he, that. Um, no, but he well, but he kind of came across as like a kind of a weirdo too, right? I mean, like the, the eating the grass and all that stuff. You know, I mean, yeah, he probably he probably sniffed women's hair a lot. <laughs> sure, sure. He's a strange cat, man. Uh, Shane Beamer seems he's got a lot of aw shucks to it. You know, he's like, um, he's like, a. it's, it's kind of interesting. Cause the first thing that popped in my head, he's like a cooler version of Dabo Swinney. Like, you know, he's like, he's got big youth pastor vibes. Uh, you know, yeah. I, 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 I could, I think that you could definitely get away with that for him as well. And, and Matt Luke, senior pastor with every head bowed <laughs> and every eye closed. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that tweet was one of the best of all time for him at SEC Media Days. That picture just with every head bowed and every eye. Yes, yes, we see that. Um, one of the, one of the, yes, we see you back there. Absolutely. I see that hand raised. Um, yes. It's, that one was so, so incredibly good. Uh, but yeah, this, I mean, I, I like Shane Beamer just fine. And I think he's a good coach and they always get better as the year goes on. Like they, they have finished the past two seasons very strongly so much to the point that expectations are high going into the next year. And they're just not as good to start the season as, you know, I think some of that's got to do with roster construction. Like you've got to be to the point like, Hey, we, we probably won't be playing our best ball out of the gate. So we got to be talented enough to kind of overcome it. Um, although yeah. Georgia, Georgia you know, in, in 2022 was playing their best ball right out of the gate. Well, and a lot of it, a lot of it is hinged on, or a lot of it, I think a lot of the expectations around South Carolina coming into this year were contingent upon is Spencer Rattler going to pick right back up where he left off at the end of last season. And that hasn't been the case right so far. So yeah. um, I think that, you know, if he's able to progress, yeah, I think, I mean, look, South Carolina can, can win some games. They can upset some people. They can sneak up. They got some, they got players, man. I mean that's not a talent uh, a talent depleted roster. They they're in a good spot with uh, some of their talent. So and um, the last time Georgia lost a game at home, it was to a much less talented South Carolina team than the one they're going to face Saturday. Um, that was, uh, that was Jake Fromm, Trump. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean it's I mean what I mean Fromm threw three picks. Yeah, two, two of them not necessarily you know on him. Matt Landers gets you know Matt Landers gets you know jerked around there. Uh, that results in one. Another one goes through Tyler Simmons' hands. Um, Georgia had maybe the worst wide receiving core of all time that year. No offense to Matt Landers or Tyler <laughs> Simmons. Um, I'm sure they're both really nice guys, but that receiving core was was bad. It was it was especially without Marcus Cager, and um, really it was George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock, and both of those guys were true freshmen and not much to it. But yeah, they they picked Georgia off three times, and that was Georgia's last home loss came in 2019. So. Um, we'll see if they can kind of keep that going. Um, you got any questions? Can we can we jake off real quick? <laughs> sure, buddy. Why don't we just have a good old fashioned round of jaking off? Uh, <laughs> a circle jake tonight. Um, oh. we're going to. Uh, we're going to. Uh, all right. So uh, I, I don't. I, I'm surprised we didn't talk about this in the last um, episode that we did. Um, 
because I, I was pretty impacted by this. I was really sad um, that Jimmy Buffett passed away, man. Um, I love Jimmy Buffett, love his work. Um, you know, I think that just an interesting character. Um, it, one of those guys, too, that kind of crosses generations. Like, my grandmother loves Jimmy Buffett. My dad loves Jimmy Buffett. I love Jimmy Buffett. Like, it's it, he kind of crosses it all. I'm just curious, man. Jake Rowe, parrot head or not? You're muted. It's a bad decision. It's tough. Um, I, I always enjoy his music. Like I always like when it's on, it's on, and I'm cool with it. But never been a really, you know, big fan. You know, like you know, I know what I know of his catalog, and and you know, and like I said, enjoy it. Never turn the channel, or you know, I'm sick of Jimmy Buffett. I don't feel Jimmy Buffett is not to me as the Eagles were to the dude. You know, like I, sure. I actually feel about the Eagles like the dude did. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a big Eagles guy. Uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, Jimmy Buffett's, you know, I'm lukewarm on him. I'm, uh, you know, and I th honestly, I think one of the reasons – here's the thing. So I feel like as a – in the in the music industry, you can make a career. You can make an just a career like Jimmy Buffett did, even though he's got his crazy, you know, fans, his, his people who love him love him. You can make a good career out of being kind of I don't love him or hate him, you know. Like you oh, know, no you, of being at you know, and that's hard to do in 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 a lot of other things. Like you know, yes. and if you're not polarizing um, to some extent, uh, but but you know, Jimmy Buffett's got kind of like this, you know, hey, we love him, and then it kind of tapers off to very few people have a reason to dislike him, you know, and he's just kind of you either love him or you're okay with him uh, mostly. Um, and, and I think he's made an incredible career. He made an incredible career out of that. And um, he made an know. incredible career for Kenny Chesney as well. I will say. Uh, yeah, I absolutely. I, I, that guy just, that guy stole his shtick, man. I mean, that's yeah, got, really got, got, got country music plagiarized basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, he did, what was it? Um, oh God. Uh, was it Lone Star that covered that? Uh, I think they, they did. I swear. Didn't they? You know, it yeah. was, it's like, it's like the version of that, except Kenny Chesney was like, no, nah, dude, I'm not just jacking. I'm not going to take your sound or your songs. You know, I'm going to be you. I'm going yeah. to be Jimmy Buffett now. I'm going to hang out by the beach and drink rum and, you know, sit in a chair, the old blue chair or whatever. I mean, you know, he's got, he took the whole thing from him. Um, and so, I, and I, I don't, I don't say that as a Kenny Chesney hater. I'm not somebody who is actively against Kenny Chesney, but we can call it what it is, which is yes. Country music plagiarism. Uh, by Kenny Chesney. You know, listen, when Kenny Chesney first kind of exploded on the scene with, uh, I can't remember the name of the album, but with those for that, those first few hits, you know, when he the had yeah, those, <laughs> those first, but those first few hits, you know, right at the tail end of prime country era. Um, yeah. I loved him. I loved those yeah. hits. I mean, it was like, man, you know, that, you know, the, um, I want to know, I want to know how feels. forever feels. Yeah. Nice. All that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like big orange ball, like it, when I hear that song come on, like big orange ball is something that I'll like, that I'll that I'll sing every time. But the more I look back, and the more I realize that him and I don't dislike I dislike Kenny Chesney now. Don't get me wrong, like he ushered in this bro country bullshit that we're all having to deal with. Um, him and Tim McGraw just they just brought this thing on. Like they, they, they just Brad grabbed. Paisley, I, I accuse Brad Paisley to some degree as well, because, because I think Brad Paisley made pop music. Yeah, he, he did. He was, he was not making distinctly country stuff. He was taking like 
really clever. It was really clever music too. Um, but I think that he kind of added to that a lot. Um, but yeah, listen, I, I would say Kenny Chesney's kind of vibe, the stuff he's singing about boys of fall and hanging out, getting drunk at the beach. And I go back and then, you know, you hear those, those are pretty consistently themes of this. And then Tim McGraw, everybody was like, what if we looked like Tim McGraw? You know, like what if we tried to unbutton our shirts real deep and, you know, like wear, wear necklaces with uh, bear claws on them or whatever. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Acid glass jeans. You know, and the thing about it is now that I'm thinking about the whole Kenny Chesney thing, like I've got this kind of damn you Kenny Chesney, you know, thing in my heart, but you start talking about Boys of Fall and, and, you know, all those other songs, I'm kind of like, I don't know, man, those are, they're, they're kind of bops, you know, no, like they, that's, that's the thing is I really wish that I could hate uh, Kenny Chesney more than I do, but that when the sun goes down album is pretty undeniable, man. It's a good, there's a lot of good shit on that album. And as much mm -hmm. as I wish I didn't like it and like actively when it came out, I was like, you know, I was not listening to any country when that came out, I was actively against country. And I was like, but secretly I was listening to some of those songs and I was like, yeah, this shit slaps. I go back is like, I can hear that song, man. And it takes me like, it does. It takes me back to where I was. And yeah, know, I go early, back. It's incredible. Early yeah. college, late high school for me. Um, you know, it's, that's a great song. It is. And, 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 and mine is a great song as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah. That, yeah, that's a really good one too. I mean, he, again, he, there was a time there where it was just banger after banger after banger. Tractor Sexy uh, is awful, though. Uh, yeah, it's terrible. Bad song. So uh, a friend of mine, the year I graduated high school, I graduated high school in 2002, um, a buddy of mine had gotten tickets for him and his girlfriend to go to Kenny Chesney at uh, the that South Atlanta Amphitheater. I don't know what they call it anymore. It's Chad. Lakewood, High Five Lakewood, High Five Buys. Yeah, it was High Five Buys at the time. Yeah. So uh, he gets tickets for him and his girlfriend to go to that. And it's, they're really good tickets. It's Margaritas and Senoritas tour is, is what the tour, uh, his tour was. Yeah. And uh, who our earlier point, his girlfriend, I don't know, right. His girlfriend <laughs> uh, broke up with him. So he's like, Hey, you want to go? So we hop in, we go, you know, it's, you know, we're you know, summer after I graduate, you know, high school. I wasn't a huge Kenny Chesney fan, but it was right during that, you know, tractor sexy thing. Um, so we go to that. First of all, there were four, you know, women maybe in their late forties, early fifties, in front of us with cowboy hats and tank tops and cut off jean shorts. I remember there were some smoke shows at this one. Yeah, before beautiful ladies, before yeah. beautiful ladies. I'm over here doing Donald Trump hand motion. <laughs> um, uh, just, just beautiful ladies, and they've got their mason jars full of margaritas and their big straws. And they're, you know, hey, let's get around, you know, go, you know, whatever. And I'm 18, you know, I, I was not drinking, couldn't buy anything. We tried, couldn't do it. Um, so my girl, my girls in front of us right there start, uh, start just knocking them back, knocking them back, keeping their souvenir, uh, you know, thing. Deanna Carter comes on, Keith Urban comes on, um, you know, another guy that was pretty good to begin with, but God, he got awful. Mm. Um, but uh, Keith Urban comes in, does his thing. Dude, by the time Kenny Chesney's on stage, I'm looking at four women in front of me, cowboy hats off, face in their hands, brother. Yeah, oh, brother. It was uh, margaritas and senoritas. Margaritas were too much for those senoritas. Okay? <laughs> um, they they were they were not there. We had an easy time watching that concert. We we're about six rows back. It was great. It was a lot of fun. But the the second point to that was, um, 
right toward you could tell that the set was getting longer and longer and longer. And uh, right toward the end, I'm like, hey, let's beat the traffic and get out of here. At 18 years old, and something most 18 year old, because I wanted everything I could do to avoid that song. Like I had to avoid because I hadn't done oh, Tractor yeah, Sexy yeah. yet. And I was like, let yeah. me get out of here before I have to hear this. And more than anything, I didn't want everybody around me going bananas over this trash. It was so bad. <laughs> like I didn't, I, I didn't feel like I wanted to beat anybody down. Subjected to the plebes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get it, man. I get it. So I, I'm watching this. I'm watching the games this weekend. Really watched a lot of that Alabama Texas game, and it got me to thinking. You know, I'm over here watching Quinn Ewers and all the stardom that kind of came with him. All right. So if I told you you got to live a life where you get to be a superstar, yeah, football player. All right. Um, all the benefits that come with it. Um, whatever. And the reason I asked this is because I, I kept telling myself. I don't know if I'd ever want to be a star quarterback. I know the fame and the glory and all that stuff would be great. But I mean, you know, if you're, if you're a star quarterback, whether it's in high school, if you're legit and you're awesome, you got dudes, you got, I love talking to people out and about, right? Like, I, I mean, I'll chat up the person checking me out at Kroger, stuff like that. I love doing that. Especially if I've had some drinks, I will talk to everybody. <laughs> sure. I did it last. I did it the other night when I was watching that game, I started getting That's into the ranch waters and I started texting people. That's part of the reason we do this show, Jake, is we have that in common. Yeah, we do. But um, so I got to th- so I got to thinking about it. And I was like, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would want that from because from high school all the way up, the the assistant yeah. bank manager sees you out and about and he's like, Hey, what's going on, man? Where are you gonna go to college? Um, what would you be? What position would you play if you just got to say, This is what I want to start be a star at from the time I'm 12 years old until the time I'm you know, retire from the NFL at 30, what position would you want to play? Uh, I mean, I guess that we're assuming that I, like my body is. Yeah. Yeah. You get to be a star. You get to be a superstar. So my my thought would be, my thought would be um, offensive lineman. I'd want to be a star offensive lineman. I I think it's kind of the the safest position in terms of like, you, you don't have people just smashing you, you know, like with, with all the built up speed, you don't have to deal with that all the time. Your head injury is probably a little bit lower for that reason, too. Um, you're kind of nondescript. Uh, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, if the let's say the right guard for the uh, for the Saints were sitting at a restaurant next to me, I probably wouldn't know it. I'd be, I could be like, hey, that's a huge guy, but I don't know that I would recognize his face. You know what I'm saying? So I think you can maintain some anonymity. And there seems to be some longevity there, too. So you can make some good money, stick around for a while. I think that it's kind of got all the perks with a lot less of the downside of any other position, personally. Good choice. I think that's a pretty solid choice. Yeah. I, 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 mean, I, I, I would probably say pass rusher, like an edge guy. You know, like sure. a like a Von Miller, Demarcus Ware. Um, you know, you get a chance to put up, you know, stats and be a uh, be a you know premium position. Um, and I also don't have to carry around three hundred and thirty pounds. Um, no, you know, and, sure. and stuff like that. But 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 then again, you know, if I'm sitting there as I'm a genetic freak, right? Like these offensive linemen are. If I'm a six seven, three hundred twenty five pound offensive tackle, um, part of my job is making sure I can continue to weigh to three hundred twenty five pounds. And that sounds like a lot of fun to me. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and those guys can, I mean, those guys, you see them like, uh, oh God, what was it? Was it Brian Balaga um, or uh, that he kept, he was at the Milwaukee Bucks games and he was just like chugging beers. 
You know, like you can do that. You can get away with kind of being that guy too. You know, it was like, uh, it was um the guy that they've got right now. The other one, Brian Malaga, I'm sure did it at one point. But who's the who's the left tackle now? Was it Riley Reef? No, it, he was with Aaron Rodgers, and he just I yes. mean Palmer Long-haired. Palmer Palmer Long-haired knows. For, I know he knows. Um, I can't remember his name though. Oh, it's uh, Bakhtiari, David Bakhtiari. Ah, oh, that's right. Yes, David. Bakhtiari. Yeah, it was David Bakhtiari. I had, I had to wait for it to kind of come to me there. You know what's funny is I heard Bert Kreischer and Tom Segura talking about the beer Olympics. Did you yeah. see that on on social media when they did it several weeks back? Uh, they did it with um, uh, Taylor Luan and uh, and Will Compton and those guys was busting with the boys guys, and uh, Bert Bert Kreischer did it and Tom did it and uh, it was Bert and. Um, What's his name? The one that does the Special Olympics joke, uh, um, Shane Gillis. Okay. And uh, have you heard that special? You've heard that Special Olympics joke, like you know, hey, the guy that invented the Special Olympics, that first came up with that idea, is ballsy guy. He's like, we need a racing, <laughs> guy, you, know? Um, you know, very offensive if you want to take it that Let's way. I get canceled, please. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to. We're not comedians. Um, but um, he was talking about that, and he goes, "Dude, you." He was telling Tom Segura, he was like, first of all, it was a mistake." He said, second of all, um, you have never been grabbed like you get grabbed by an NFL." Dave, I made me think of it because David Bakhtiari was there, but he said uh, Taylor Luan, who is you know forty, fifty, sixty pounds lighter than his playing weight in the NFL, he said, "Man, he grabbed me, and I like I couldn't have done anything about it." Like I had, I mean, I, he he could have had his way, and I knew nothing I would have ever been able to do to stop it, you know. And and yeah. I mean, it's he also told a story. <laughs> you and I were talking about milk thistle earlier about drinking. Um, he also told a story about how uh, the, I think he said DeForest Buckner was there for the beer Olympics, and he's Facetiming with his wife, and he's on the phone with his wife, and his wife goes, "Don't come home without a trophy." Okay. Wow. When we when we do stuff, we win stuff. Okay. <laughs> you come home, do not come home without a trophy. Bert said he's sitting there listening. And he's like, I'm just sitting here like my eyes are big. And uh, he said, I looked down and my wife has texted me and it's and and you know what my wife told me? Make sure you take your milk thistle. Your your liver enzymes are up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying, dude. I mean, bring home a trophy. He said, man. They, he said when the competition started these guys' eyes just glazed over and it was like, I can't lose. Like I cannot allow myself to lose. And they got so competitive, which uh, I found very interesting. You know, the, the only other, the, the only one that came to mind other than offensive line for me was linebacker. Like, uh, yeah. like, like those guys, I don't know, man, there's something super badass about playing middle linebacker and playing it. Well, you know, I, I think back to guys like Zach Thomas, um, you know, like what a stud he was back in the day. Um, obviously, you know, Roquan's uh, out there doing it right now, but that that's such a, it's a tough position to play, man. And it's, but it's such a, it's such one of prestige in my opinion. You know, it's like the quarterback is arguably the most important, but I think that there's something so revered about if you can be a tough ass middle linebacker and like play for like 12 years with one team, like you're going to go down in history. They're going to love you forever. And that's in that place. Um, it's this, you know, Jesse Tuggles like that. Uh, you know, he was with Atlanta forever. Brian Urlacher with the bears, Dick Butkus, obviously. I mean, you know, those guys that are able to hang around and kind of make a big thing out of it at linebacker. I think that that's cool. But like I said, 
I'm trying to minimize my own personal risk and play as long as possible. So I think I can extend my life if I'm a superstar offensive lineman. Yeah, that's a good point. And you're right about the whole linebacker thing. I mean, you know, you can, you know, linebacker, you can, you know, witness a murder near a limousine and not get in any trouble for it too. You know, so there's a Teflon. Maybe committed yeah. murder near a limousine. <laughs> I've never, I've never, I've never, uh, probably shouldn't get into it. But that case has always just baffled me. Like it's. Oh, um, sure. Sure. The whole thing was uh, insane, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only thing that top, the only thing that really tops it for me is the whole Ray Carew thing. The Ray Carew oh, thing. Was, oh my yeah. God. Yes, absolutely. And it's, and, and listen, it tops it by a mile. Okay. Like it's, it, that, that may, that's one of the craziest things that ever happened in our history as humans. Yeah. What, or one of the you know most outlandish things that's ever happened in our history as humans. But yeah. all right, we've gone. Ray Carruth has come up for the first time in Bark <laughs> After Dark. We're off the rails. We're going to get out of here before we get ourselves in trouble. We've, we've, Thanks again, we've, Andy Staples. Yes, one hundred percent. Always uh, shout out to uh, all of our sponsors as well. And get over and uh, check us out. Georgia show on Wednesday and uh, Bark After Dark. Be back again next week. Yep, and uh, we got some. We've got some other programming coming to the channel too. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Some game day programming, some some recorded programming, but it's more scheduled. Um, Rusty and uh, Wes and I are working on that, and we're really excited about it. So uh, y'all, uh, y'all come see us. And um, this has been Bark After Dark. Take care. Ooh, ooh. Oh.